Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write... We talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about the writing craft and crafting a writer's life. And today we're going to dive into writing for online publications, pitching, editing, what it's like to be the editor-in-chief, and what writers need to know to work better with editors. I'll tell you what, in, in this long career I've had, I've done mostly magazine writing and writing for online publications, and a good editor changes your life, both professionally and personally. They always make your writing better. So I think cultivating those relationships is super important and learning how to make their job easier is important to me because then they make my life easier and my writing stronger. So we're gonna get all into it today with editor-in-chief of Livestrong.com, Sarah Klein. Sarah Klein is also Livestrong.com's editorial director. She's a Boston-based writer, editor, and certified personal trainer. She's previously worked at Health.com, Prevention Magazine, and The Huffington Post and is a graduate of the Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute at New York University. But before we get into it, you know, we always start here on Simply Write with the dailies. Welcome to the show, Sarah Klein. Thank you so much for having me, Polly. I'm thrilled to be here. What does your day look like today? So I really thrive on structure and routine, especially after I started working remotely at the beginning of the pandemic. I get up every morning at the same time. I wake up at 6.30. That gives me some time for a workout before work. When we first went remote, I made this rule for myself. I had to leave the house at least twice a day. Even if that's just a five-minute walk around the block in the morning, that's how I like to start my day. That gives me time you know, to have a few moments for myself in the morning, whatever shape that's taking that given day. Um, today, I went for a nice little walk. Um, get ready for the day. Um, and then I always left myself some built-in time as if I were still commuting. So I've got about 30 minutes baked into my morning routine where I can read, write, take care of some tasks around the apartment um, so that I have a little bit of buffer between, you know, rolling out of bed and just jumping right to my desk. Um, I'm pretty much working nine to six or so. I've got lots of Zoom meetings and I'm doing lots of project management, editing, assigning, people management, 
end work around six o'clock. Again, I have that rule where I need to leave the apartment again in the evening, whether that's to meet a friend, um, spend some time outside, catch a movie, uh, or even if I'm just coming home to sit on my couch and do some more writing or watch a good Netflix show, I've got to go for that five minute walk again first. I love that you brought that up because I've been remote a long time. You know, I've been a writer for 20 years or more, more now, I guess. Um, and so I'm used to that, but I think I could have entire days where I don't even move be from behind the desk. And I think that is bad for my writing. So I start my day a lot like you, I get up and I go for a walk and I, hate exercise. I do it, but I'm not those natural exercisers. And so when I go for a walk, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 25 minutes, whatever it is, sometimes I'll get caught up in it and, and go around. But I think getting outside and moving my body is essential. And it's something I, I suggest other writers do too, because otherwise I become too tense in my muscles and I become too much in my head. And Sarah, I also like your idea of commuting because I am so jealous of my husband. He's part-time now back in his office and part-time from our home office. But he, when he's at his office, he has like a 30 minute drive back and he gets to rock out and he goes through the day. I walk out from my office and go start cooking dinner or I do, you know, and I think we need that buffer from work mentally. It sounds like you understand that too. It's been absolutely instrumental for my mental health during this big transition period for over the last three years. I, I think you're right. I wouldn't be as good in my writing or my editing if I didn't have a clear mind. And yeah, you need to kind of create those buffers and boundaries and then sort of really hold yourself accountable to them if we're going to be successful working from home. Right. I think holding yourself accountable is big. Now, it sounds like you were in an office before the pandemic. So yeah. you've shifted from all the hubbub. And my relationship when I worked in an office with my editor was very fluid. Like we would talk to each other on the way by. I would walk by his desk and we would pop ideas around. So I imagine that's been a big change in how you work with your staff. An incredibly big change and one that we really had to troubleshoot early on. We had to try different processes and see how it worked and then sort of continue evolving them. We're in a pretty good place now because we've been remote for three years. Um, but, you know, things like brainstorming headlines, for example, it was so easy to just kind of lean over to the writer or editor next to me and bounce some ideas off of each other. Now we've created a whole channel in our Slack that's just for headline brainstorming. Mm. And we've got a whole little emoji reaction system to vote on which ones we like the best. So there are all sorts of digital tools to adjust that way, but it was a big adjustment. I bet. Oh, that's a clever idea, though. I kind of want to be in there. I'm not I'm not very strong with headlines. And I think the people that are, it, it gets so creative. I love bouncing those ideas around. So that's cool. And thank you, Sarah. Those are the dailies. All right, Sarah, you're the editorial director and the editor-in-chief of Livestrong.com, which is an online publication that delivers health and nutrition and fitness information. Is that something that, that you align with and push or create, or is that something that as a career as a, a writer and editor before, you just know what your market is, so you're going to provide that direction to your staff? How does it yeah. work? 
It's really been a theme throughout my career to provide health information that people can actually use to improve their well-being. It's, you know, it's the core of service journalism. What can the reader take away from this article? But we, we know from analytics that that's really what people are looking for. They are typing a question about their health into their search engine and looking for the answer that they will apply to their life. Um, and I want to give them that in language that they can understand. And with the most evidence backing up those claims, because we know you can find a lot of not evidence-based <laughs> online, um, and also in ways that apply to the broadest groups of people possible, which is something that has been quite unique for me working at Livestrong.com, where the audience is all rage, uh, excuse me, all ages, all genders, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all health backgrounds, which was a very stark comparison to working someplace like Prevention Magazine, which was at that time very clearly for postmenopausal women. And so, you know, the the angles and the approaches we can take to this coverage changes when we have sort of free reign to be writing for anyone and everyone like we are at lipstrong.com. But at the end of the day, wherever I've worked, it's been about that sort of serviceable takeaway that readers can get from this content. This is something that I think is really important for writers to hear, particularly if they want to write for a publication like livestrong.com, because often I meet new writers or aspiring writers who want to publish, who come in and they want to write this article, their article, and they're forgetting, we call it the market, writers call it the market, but it's really the audience, right? It's really the people you're going to serve with your piece. And the editor then for those publications is that liaison. They're making sure that the, the public is getting the kind of articles they come to livestrong.com to read, right? So you have to be the buffer between your readers and the writers. Is that a hard balance? That can be a hard balance. And it is, I will say, one of my first tips for writers when they're trying to write for livestrong.com or really for anywhere is to try to get a little bit of a sense of that on their own. Certainly, I don't expect a freelance writer to know all the ins and outs of any outlet they might be trying to be published on. And I am absolutely the liaison for that. And I'll try my best to kind of give some examples of what I think of as the quintessential of strong.com article or approach or voice so that I can kind of help the writers learn along that way. Um, but yeah, I think for most writers, it can be hard to distinguish between various outlets that without that deeper knowledge may seem to be sort of servicing the same audience um, just under a different name. I think servicing the all audience that you just described has got to be a major challenge, right? Because we have different reading levels, we have different concerns, we have different concerns per our age, per our gender. I mean, it, that's a big deal. Are there certain points you keep in mind as editor when you're looking at a pitch that would fit that market or not fit that market? One of the number one ways I do that when I'm editing and something I suggest to the other editors on my team is reading with a critical eye for what assumptions we may be making about the reader. 
And that allows us to really open up the scope to that broad audience that I was mentioning, because it could be an assumption in any sort of direction that we might be making. We don't want to assume that someone is new to exercise. We don't want to assume that someone has been exercising for 30 years every day. Um, and it just helps us look through the content again with a clear eye and think, how can we make this broader, more general, more accessible and inclusive in every possible way. And that is really hard and it's been a learning process and it's something that we talk about constantly and give feedback to each other on so that we're all kind of growing in that respect. But it's been a really valuable learning experience for me and for the team. I, I read an article the other day at a different publication and I was kind of turned off because they didn't do that. I was going for some bit of information that I had searched for, which is, you know, I read a lot of publications, but most of it's online. So I'll search for something else, right? I want to see more. And they assumed that I was unhappy at my age, right? In a, in a lifestyle that I was leading. I'm not unhappy. I like being my age. I like, you know, I'm doing good. I just was looking for ways to think about it. And um, so that can really turn a reader off. And I think writers, if they're writing for an established publication, they need to know they don't get to make those rules, right? If I write for Livestrong, I know your audience, I know what you're looking for, and I have the choice to approach you or not approach you. But if you if you accept one of my pitches, then that's the voice I need to respect. That's the audience I need to respect. That's the editorial work I need to respect. Is Do you see writers that understand that when they come to you? Or do you think that's a miss that we come out into the market and we're like, oh, this is great. You're going to take it no matter what it sounds like. Is that something we need to be aware of? Yeah, I would say the writers that I have the best relationships with certainly understand that and have been really open to kind of collaborating on fine tuning the angle or the voice a little bit. And, you know, I'm a writer myself. That's how I started before I ever got into editing. So I, I know that that can feel personal when we're asked to adjust our own writing voice to fit the voice of a brand. But I think the best writers I work with are open to that kind of constructive feedback. Um, and that that can be a miss if someone is maybe really set on the precise angle they've pitched and doesn't really want to workshop it at all to be the best fit it can be for Livestrong. And, you know, I, I urge those writers to kind of keep in mind that I'm I'm not suggesting those changes just because I like it better. I'm usually <laughs> suggesting those changes because our audience likes it better, which means more people are reading your work which, you know, benefits our company and then motivates our editors to assign more of that type of work to you when you're able to kind of adjust along those lines. Yeah, I think it's useful for a writer too to look at things from different perspectives. It's useful not only for the piece you're working on now with whatever publication, but also going out to other publications because we become more discerning as writers. And I think that makes us better. I think it's also important writers to remember that if you pitch a magazine or a, a set publication, they do have their own voice. And that's probably why you're attracted to it. And there are lots of other things you can write in a different voice, in your own voice, write a novel or whatever it is you want to write. But if you're going out into the, the publication world, they're going to be looking for something. You have to decide if you're the one that can offer that. Um, and I, I think that's fair. Sarah, you mentioned you started as a writer. How did you land in the editor's chair? Yeah, so 
I always loved writing. I went to journalism school for undergrad and was lucky to get a internship and then a part-time job at health.com after college. You know, even those early years, my title were things like assistant editor or syndication editor, but really at that level, you're sort of expected to just churn out a lot of writing. Mm. Um, So for my first several years of my career, I was writing, you know, two or three stories a day for various outlets Mm. and expected to kind of like get an assignment in the morning and file it by the end of the day often, um, which teaches you a lot. It also can be extremely tiring. Uh, So as I sort of um, gained more experience and grew quite exhausted of that churn, (laughs) I started moving into more editorial positions, taking on a little bit of managerial responsibilities um, and kind of moving up along the editor track that way. I was hired at Livestrong originally as a managing editor, which was my first time in a position like that. And I've been at Livestrong now for a little over four years and was promoted to editorial director and then editor-in-chief. Not necessarily something I ever aspired to, I will say, but this has been such a wonderful team to work with that it's really allowed me to sort of hone those managerial responsibilities and skills. And it has been really rewarding to work with um, younger writers and editors and sort of help them along their career knowing that I am sort of paying it back for all the help that I received early on in mine. Now, yeah, because you're in the bigwig chair now. I mean, you're in the bigwig chair, right? So what does that do to your writing? Does it leave you any time to write? Are you regularly publishing? Are you mostly fostering and nurturing the other writers and the stories along the way? I found the more that I've sort of climbed into the big wig chair, the less time there is naturally for writing and editing. And I, it's really important to me. That's sort of still what makes my soul feel good. So I have self-imposed some writing and editing goals mm-hmm. at Livestrong. I'm trying to write at least one article a year, which sounds so sad and small, but <laughs> there is not a lot of time for writing at this particular gig. And then edit one sort of lofty feature piece that I've assigned to a writer per quarter so that I'm still doing some of that day to day and increasingly what I'm trying to do outside of my day job is make some time for additional writing projects on the side Um, that is something that has fluctuated for me throughout my career depending on what else I have going on and what sort of mental and emotional energy I have for that there have been times where it's felt really tiring to work eight hours and then work more in the evenings. Um, But I'm finding ways to do that, that feel, um, I don't know, feel comfortable lately. And it's something I hope to explore more in the future. I think writers can relate to that too. You know, I I have other projects I wanna work on aside from my deadlines and, and the kind of things that are generating my income right now. But dang, by the end of the day, man, I'm wiped out sometimes, you know, and I read research about that because I walk out and I'm like, I don't even want to get off the couch. And I'm thinking I've been at the desk all day. Why am I tired? But I I have read research that says when we are demanding, when we're thinking hard, when we're creative and using a lot of mental energy and and self-control, it's physically taxing for us. It wears us out. And I definitely feel that uh, it can be hard physical work sitting at the desk creating all day long. 
It can, yeah. And, you know, as I've become more of um, sort of an editorial leader and less of just a writer and editor, I've really noticed the difference between the sort of solitary work of writing and editing versus the very collaborative work of managing and managing people and projects. Mm -hmm. So I'm spending a lot of time talking to people and problem solving. And I find that to be sort of a different part of my brain that I'm using than the writing and editing. So I might even be sometimes feeling more drained by some of that and really need to kind of refill my battery before I can be creative and clear-minded again. That's when I think of editing, which I do not do, um, not significantly, uh, it, it is, it's that it's intimate in a different way. And that introverted part of me gets really worn out. <laughs> you know, I like to sit alone and do my thing. And um, yeah, that collaboration. You've talked about collaboration. And I think that's essential to the writer editing relationship. And I want to talk about pitching and the components of a pitch. And we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back to Simply Write with Polly and Sarah Klein, we're going to get into what a good pitch looks like and sounds like and how you can start thinking about pitching some of these online publications and getting your work out there. We're going to be back in just a minute with the editor in chief sarah klein at livestrong.com and you're listening to simply write with polly on the creators network of electric house at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And we are back. I'm Polly. You're listening to Simply Write with Polly. And today we're talking all things magazine, articles, those kind of pitches. And we're here with editorial director and editor-in-chief, which is the bigwig chair at Livestrong.com, Sarah Klein. And Sarah, before we went to break, you have used that word collaboration many times. I think there's this misunderstanding that a writer sends their work to an editor and they never see it again. And that's that. But the great relationships I've had and the better pieces I've I've written have been when I worked in collaboration with an editor. They'd get a piece. We'd talk through things. They would make me better. Is that something that you see as part of your role as editor to work directly with the writer? Absolutely. And I think it's the most rewarding part of being an editor is to develop that relationship with a number of writers. To me, that starts even before the writer has turned in the piece. It starts from assigning the piece, really. I like to set really clear expectations from the get-go, and that really helps me get back from the writer what I'm looking for. If I'm unable to sort of communicate that from the beginning, um, I'm not going to be as happy with the end result. And I never want to go back to the writer at that point and say, this isn't what I asked for. You have to redo it. I would much rather get a very close version to what I was looking for. And then that gives us the opportunity to workshop in a more positive way. So communication is key. Collaboration is key right from the beginning. And then certainly there are pieces that are lighter lifts, 
um, don't require as much in-depth reporting and really solid writers will turn it in, clean copy, I'll make very few changes and publish it. And we won't really need to go back and forth on a piece like that. But the, the real meaty stuff, the stuff that feeds the soul that I'm most excited to edit, I'm working with writers, we're going back a couple of times. I'm, you know, asking questions and I'm really not trying to as you said, the big wig chair, I'm not trying to dictate anything, certainly. I'm really trying to get at their voice, their interpretation of the great research and reporting they've done and how together we can just sort of make it really sparkle. I I love that approach. I have two thoughts and a question for you about that. One is, first of all, my, my one thought in this career I've had, which I've been very fortunate, I've had only one story killed and it was defeating i mean it was terrible writers uh, when you have a story killed that means the magazine says nope we're not going to run this for whatever reason in my case they didn't like the piece and they didn't want to work on it with me and they pay you a percentage of your contract of your fee and that's that and it was terrible because i had one of those com because you feel totally like a terrible writer in your life, right? And I had one of those early conversations with the editor where they didn't truly know what they wanted. And in fact, they told me, you know, well, just, you know, come up, here's kind of what I'm thinking, but I'm not really sure, come up with something and then we'll workshop it. And I felt like I'd done that, but they didn't like it. And I think it's because I didn't challenge the editor. They didn't challenge me. We didn't come to an agreement of what the article should focus on. We had the research, but as you know, research can take us in many different directions. And we we just didn't see it the same way and nobody communicated that effectively. So writers, let that be a lesson to you too. If you're unclear, press that a little bit before you put in the work because it's, uh, it's a lot, it's a load. It's a load physically and emotionally and mentally to turn in a quality piece for any publication. And, and you want to be in that collaborative relationship with the editor. And I, I think, Sarah, would you say it's okay for the writer to be asking those questions too? Yeah, as you were saying that, it dawned on me that a writer asking those questions really shows me what kind of reporter you are, mm. honestly, because you are comfortable asking me the same questions that you'll ask your sources or ask yourself as you're digging into that research. So I more often than not would be very impressed by a writer coming back with mm. those kind of questions and really glad that they're also investing the time in that communication. I would so much rather have questions up front than after a writer has done a bunch of work that we ultimately can't use for yeah. whatever reason. So I would highly encourage that of writers. Of course, like any relationship, there's a, you know, a polite way to word it. And for sure. But absolutely an important part of the process. And I so relate to your story. I, I can remember being a more junior writer in my career. And I think maybe writing seven versions of a piece for a it's magazine. Crushing. It's, it's crushing. It's crushing. <laughs> yeah. But it, it all is because someone wasn't clear from the get-go. Or yeah. maybe everyone wasn't. Everyone wasn't, right. Yeah. I think it's important what you're saying, too. Every time I turn in an article, you know, it's perfect, Right. I mean, that's really good, right? That Every writer always thinks that because you have to have some moxie before you can turn something in. It's hard to do. But the reality is a good editor can make it better. And an editor changing things or questioning things isn't necessarily an attack on the writer then, right? I don't need to take that personal. Is that correct? 
That's absolutely correct. Easier said than done, of course. I still Easier do that side. myself, but we're really not meaning anything personal by it. It usually is just from the editor's experience working so intimately with that brand's voice or knowing the analytics so closely that they want to tweak the wording of something because the audience responds to that. Whatever it is, there's a reason for it. And it is by no means because anyone is not a great writer. Fantastic. I have so many questions for you and I know we're running out of time. Um, one thing before we go, are there any set components of a pitch letter or query letter? Are they still called queries? I hear pitch all the time. In my day, it was query letter. We just call them pitches now. Yeah. We actually have um, a form to fill out. So it kind of lists out all the components we'd like to see. And the biggest ones really are sort of tell us why this is a Livestrong article and tell us why you are the person to write it. And like I said, just looking for sort of a, a basic level of research and understanding of the brand and what we do. Um, and otherwise, we will help sort of explain the rest of those nuances to new writers for sure. I also like to see um, some suggestions of the types of sources a writer might interview or research. That kind of gives me a sense of their reporting style, their knowledge of health reporting. Um, I really like to see that a writer is sort of working to build their own network of sources. Certainly we help supply writers with names that we have worked with often, but I think to the point we discussed earlier about such a broad audience and making sure we're accessible and inclusive to all, it's really important to me also that writers are bringing in fresh perspectives in the experts that they interview for our site. So. That's cool. I, I like that. And writers, we talked on the show before about studying the market. I think it's essential. Know who you want to write for. Know what they care about. And if you don't care about the same thing or the same way it's delivered, it's probably not going to be a great fit for you. So keep that in mind, too. And that brings us to my favorite segment, What's in the Desk? Sarah, is there anything that you have around you that's essential to your job, writing or editing, something that you like to have on your desk or that you use all the time to do your work? A couple of things. So first, I'm a health journalist, and there really isn't enough research to back this up. However, I swear <laughs> it works for me. I have a pair of those blue light blocking glasses. Um, there is not really solid evidence yet if they are actually doing anything for eye strain or fatigue or headaches, but even if it's just the placebo effect, I will take it. If you can find an affordable pair and your budget allows and it seems like something you might want to try, I would recommend it. I use them a lot towards the end of the day when I'm thinking, oh, I still have a couple hours left, but I have done a lot today and it seems to help me power through. Um, and then more on the sort of emotional and mental side, I have this little decorative stone that has the word create carved into it. And I like to have that on my desk so where I can see it. It reminds me of why I got into this field to begin with and helps me stay inspired to write and edit on days when maybe I've been tied up in a lot of meetings and it doesn't feel like I've gotten to be all that creative. The blue light glasses, that's interesting. That might be something I try. I've never I've never thought about that. And I've read that too. I, there's so much research that is is not confirmed. And then I'm like, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> you know, yeah. it works for me. So that's what we generally say in health reporting. If it's not hurting you, if it's not hurting anyone else and you want to try it, you can probably try it yeah. along with your doctor's recommendation often, depending on what it is. 
Sarah, how can we follow you, track down livestrong.com, become part of this community you're at? Absolutely. You can visit us online at livestrong.com, of course. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I really love our Facebook challenge group. Every month we run a 30-day fitness challenge there. It's a group of almost 60,000 members who are the most supportive, positive folks on the internet. It is kind of shocking how lovely everyone is there because that's not always the case on Facebook, but I hope folks will join us there. And then personally, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at S-A-R-K-L-E-I, Sarkley. Now, are you accepting pitches at Livestrong? Um, and is there a way to do that? We absolutely are. We have our pitch form listed out on our Contact Us page on the website for Livestrong.com. Fantastic. And I'm Polly Campbell. You can join our Simply Write community at simplywrite.subtact.com, where we talk all things writing and for, right? You can pick up my newest book. It's called You Recharged, and that's wherever books are sold. And this week, writers, remember the words of Susan Bell, who says, an editor doesn't just read, he reads well. And reading well is a creative, powerful act. Then writers sit down and simply write. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.